0: Detroit Tigers Minor League Tracker podcast. I'm your host Keenan Carter. My co-host Eric Hostetter, is MIA today, but uh, filling in for him from over at Prospects 1500, the new Tigers prospect guy, Dave Eddy, is joining us. Dave, welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hey, how we doing, Keenan?
0: Pretty good, pretty good. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the top 50 list that, that you put out not too long ago. First of all. Uh, some action over on my Facebook page the last week. I had to ban a guy, Dave. Um, he, so you know, typically I'm pretty Detroit Tigers minor league focused over there. I don't I don't branch out too much. But I've been doing some reading, been doing some you know social media marketing tips, reading some books and stuff like that. Just trying to find out some new ways to create engagement. It's February, pitchers and catchers still a couple more days before they report. So I. There was this thing flying around Facebook last week. It was like one of those listing of every sport, and you name your favorite all-time player. So I was like, all right, this will be a fun little exercise, get some engagement with my followers on a slow news day. So I I posted that out there, and I had said um, MMA and NASCAR were two of the sports on there, and I jokingly had said MMA is not a sport, NASCAR is not a sport which is basically just my way of saying I don't have favorites in those sports because I don't follow them. But somebody took some real offense to that statement, and uh, he he went on this epic rant about um, how NASCAR is a sport because of how much weight the drivers lose during races, which I think is a pretty loose um, qualification for what a sport is. Um Either way, we're getting into semantics about whether something's a sport or not. I really don't care. I was just kind of being a wise-ass a little bit. Um, And then he called me a a Neanderthal and told me to go read a book So, and that he was going to unfollow me. So it's unfortunate. I, I usually, you know, over there on my Facebook page, I try to separate the Detroit Tigers minor league tracker persona from Keenan Carter, because Keenan Carter can be a smart ass from time to time and really rub people the wrong way if you don't know him. So I I try not to, I try not to do too many controversial things over there, but I thought that was interesting. I don't know. What what would you have done in a situation like this, Dave? This is, this is probably going to be the not safe for work episode of the Detroit Tigers minor league tracker podcast, but how would you handle a situation like that?
1: Well, I guess, you know, my, my main question, I guess, first of all, was did you have a, a Tui Sopo down for your favorite NFL player?
0: Ah, no, I, you know, that's...
1: Because if, I can't, you, if you did, I, I could them... see getting, getting a little bit of backlash from that.
0: I don't know which Tui Sopo is which, so I can't uh, pick a the favorite. They're all the same,
1: I guess, right? Yeah,
0: no, Barry Sanders is my favorite football player of all time.
1: That's good, that's good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, N- NASCAR is definitely not a sport, so uh, I'll give him that. Anyone that thinks that NASCAR is a sport probably probably isn't my friend. Um, I don't follow a lot of MMA, but I don't know how you can take two guys who want to beat each other's ass um, for your pleasure and not call that a sport.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, whether they're sports or not, whether you call it a sport or you don't call it a sport, I don't really care, right? Uh, right, right. It, we're talking about semantics. It doesn't mean I don't respect it as a legitimate competition or anything like that. I, I was just kind of... Maybe I was baiting people a little bit by saying not a sport, not a sport, and I got what I deserve. But it's only the second person I've had to ban since I started that Facebook page. We're, uh, we're about 10 months in now and uh, just hit over 6,000 followers this weekend, um, which, which, is, which is interesting because that's like 20% growth over the last 72 hours.
1: Um, people must have heard you're talking, talking. to
0: me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as I tweeted that out, it went yeah, crazy. Yeah. No, actually – I decided to put a little a little Facebook ad out there last week because just, you know, getting a little closer to spring training. And then I realized that my target market audience was not including the Dominican Republic or Venezuela in my target audiences. And uh, news alert, uh, Dominicans and Venezuelans love baseball. So uh, it's been pretty dramatic growth over there the past 72 hours with just a real small Facebook ad. So that's really cool. And, uh, but the, the first guy I ever had to ban, uh, he was, he was messaging me repeatedly these weird messages about how he wants to try out for the tigers. And, uh, a uh, guy was just really creeping me out. So I had to block him, but that's hey two out of 6,000 plus in 10 months worth of time. I'm, I'm pretty proud of the creating a culture of engagement over there.
1: Well, I'll tell you uh, what, Keenan, until you start getting trolls, you haven't really made it anyways. So so that, I think that just means that you're on your way.
0: Yeah, i got to try a little harder. I'm getting closer because another thing I, I posted last week about the uh, major leagues uh, changing the name of the disabled list, I thought it was newsworthy, right? Like I try to um, – a lot of people on Facebook are on Twitter. Like there's probably 10% as many people on 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 Twitter as there are on Facebook. So they don't get that breaking news. I try to provide that service a little bit, right? Like, hey, I heard something over here. Let me bring it over here to where you guys are. And uh, so I did that about the this thing. Somebody got really upset about that um, and thought I was being too political and and, uh, stick to articles about Casey Mize, this, that, (laughs) and the other. And I'm like, listen, bro, providing a free service here. um, And this is... This is newsworthy in the game of baseball. I mean, it's been called the disabled list since 1966. I wasn't, I wasn't judging it either way. I just, I my my post was this is insane, and I wasn't saying like this is insane, an insanely horrible decision, or I disagree with this decision. It was, I was saying this is insane because it's just always been the disabled list to me. It's going to be weird to think of it and type it and write it and talk about it any other way. Cause it's just been such a part of our vernacular for so long. But, uh, yeah, you stick to articles about Casey Mize. I'm like articles about Casey Mize. Like I, what else can I write about Casey Mize until he starts pitching again? That hasn't already been written in the last year. Like those articles about Casey Mize are a dime a dozen. I'm trying to, trying to keep you notified about what's going on around here and, um, so, you know, I had to handle that situation as well. Hopefully I, I handled it delicately enough where I didn't offend somebody again. But
1: I don't know, man. It sounds like somebody finally ventured out of their mom's basement and from playing Fortnite and, and got a, a hair up their ass.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, there were some comments on there, and people get a little bit political about it. And I try not to, not to engage too much in any of that. And as long as people are respectful to each other and... I don't have a problem with that, but yeah, it was a little—it was a little hypersensitive on that one. Hey, wanted to uh, give a shout out to my colleague Zane Harding over at Bless You Boys. Uh, hey, Dave, I know you're—you're you're sort of have a military background, right?
1: Uh, eight years the uh, Marine Corps, my friend.
0: Well, uh, hey, on behalf of you know me and my family, and uh, appreciate your service. Thank you. For, thank you very much. Um, did you also go to college,
1: by chance? Um, I did. I, I, I got a degree from Baker College here in Michigan.
0: Baker College, okay. So, what were you like in college? Did you have your act together?
1: Um, Well, I went to school later than most. Um, the majority of my degree was online. I had some hybrid classes, so, uh, you know, some... You know, it was, I mean, for me, it was I went to school as an adult. I did it while I was going and uh, working at the same time. So my college experience isn't the the you know the booze related kind of stories that most people have. I I saved those for for when I was in the Marines. Right, right.
0: Well, my my eighteen to twenty two years are an absolute disaster. <laughs> all right, um, if Haas were on here, he could he could. I met him when I was about a, less, a little less than a year removed from college, and I was a complete degenerate. Um, so, But Zane Harding, who, who writes for Bless You Boys, he's a student at the University of Michigan right now with a double major in statistics and English, co-founded the Michigan um, Society for American Baseball Research Club, which is one of just two Sabre-affiliated university clubs in the entire world. So he launched the website, He serves as a co-president over there. He, uh, you know, like I said, writes for Bless You Boys. He writes for the University of Michigan admissions program. Like, this kid's just got his act together. Just want to give a shout-out to Zane. He's also a really good writer. He's done a lot of the prospect profiles that we've done uh, on our Top 30 countdown recently. So, uh, man, I I told him earlier this week, like, I wish I could turn time back 20 years and just be more like him when I was his age because he's got it together. So, shout-out to Zane. Um, let's Hey, let's jump into your list, Dave. One of the first things that jumped out at me and several others is Alex Faieto. You're holding him at number five. So he's one that's been falling down prospect lists for a year due to, uh, you know, velocity drop. He's got poor extension, so his velocity is already played down. Um, his slider doesn't appear to have... The bite, maybe, that it did in college that made him a first-round draft pick and kind of brought him some fame in the College World Series. And, uh, excuse me, upon being promoted to Erie, he was gave up a home run about every other pitch. So, let's talk about Alex Faieto. You're not giving up on him yet. You got him number five on your list. Let's roll.
1: Yeah, so, I mean... For me, again, my, my list is going to be different maybe than others. Um, my, mine's more fantasy driven. Um, I'm a little bit more about, especially on the, on the, on the top of the, on the list, more of an upside kind of spot. So for me, I think that last year, um, for Faito was, I'm going to attribute it more towards, you know, the, the kid went through a very long college season. Um, and, and I really think that I don't, really think that enough people aren't given you know credit to the amount of you know taxing his arm has gone through and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a great excuse or that that's even the reason but I mean if you watch him in college the kid was absolutely ridiculous um and it, it's not even a shell of himself that we saw last year so i, I don't think that he got worse uh I think that he was hired uh and you know maybe I don't know the kid personally but you know, maybe he wasn't mentally prepared for the challenge from, you know, who you face in college to the guys that he's facing, you know, nowadays, you know, in pro ball. Mm-hmm. Of course, one thing that always scares me specifically with pitchers is injury because it seems like, you know, if somebody hasn't had Tommy John yet, you know, they're never going to be going to get there. And he's got that funky delivery that, you know, that nobody likes. Um, and I could see, you know, I could see there being an injury there, whether, He's not admitting it. Um, he's trying to push through it or, you know, or whatever it is. But I, I'm not really any less high on him. Um, I'm more concerned. Um, I have more reservations than I did before. But but I I still think he has all the makings of, of being a three-starter in the big league.
0: Well, I, I mean, I hope you're right. I, you know, um, what I can say is, some of the some of the prospect evaluators out there that, that I really respect um, several of them could not express enough their level of disappointment when they saw him for the first time in the Florida State League last year and he actually pitched really well in the Florida State League I mean he, he was he was good enough to get Florida State League hitters out even without having that mid- 90s fastball um, but, they, I, you know, one guy I talked to specifically was like, Fieda is going to get rocked when he gets the double A. And then, sure enough, he did. I, I haven't given up on him yet. I see you commented he's got good think on his fastball. Um, yeah, he does. He, he does have a, a, a pretty lively fastball. He can, can kind of roll you, roll you some ground balls there if he throws it where he wants to. Um, and I think he's got what I've called pretty good pitchability. Um, I think he's going to have to be more of a crafty guy if he doesn't regain those three to four miles an hour. Uh, and I think he's good enough to maybe get to the major leagues um, without without that velo. Uh, if, as a back-end starter, long-relief type guy, I see what you said about maybe being a devastating closer. That's assuming the velocity comes back and that slider gets the bite. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll probably learn pretty early about Fajardo, whether, whether, whether he starts pumping on the gun by, say, May 1st.
1: Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll say this about a lot of guys, but at the end of the day, you know, Faito is definitely one of those guys. Um, you know, higher on my priority list for for watching in, in 2019 because, uh, I mean, maybe he's not going to be a starter. You know, I mean, if he doesn't have, you know, the, that workhorse mentality um, that that maybe we saw in college, if you start taking those, you know, and, you know, start taking those outings and taking him to an inning instead of him having to try to get his way through six or seven I mean I could see that stuff playing right back up or even playing higher than it did before that I I haven't heard anyone else mention you know that kind of dead arm kind of you know feeling that he may have had last year but the little bit that I see of him and a little bit that I've seen of him in the past you know as a guy who, who used to pitch himself I can totally see where that comes from um I mean I I've had just, you know, one-off games here and there where, you know, my stuff was just off. It just wasn't the same as before, especially even with velocity. Uh, so, I mean, I can see that happening for an extended period of time. And that's probably maybe more an optimist in me, uh, maybe than others. But that's kind of what I'm hoping I can attribute it to more than he just is not, you know, the, the type of player that, that we thought he was coming out of the draft. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's okay. I mean, yeah, that. The 2017 draft is already – I've already scrapped that entire draft. So if Fajardo if pans out, great. If he doesn't, um, I, I've moved on from 2017. Going gonna to scroll down your list a little bit. I mean, we've talked about a lot of these guys um, ad nauseum this offseason, so we're not going to kind of stop at each one and, and chat about them. But, uh, hey, what? tell me a little bit about this process for you, Dave. Like, this is your first time doing this. You went 50 deep which is really deep to go uh, on a prospect list, uh, especially when, you know, this this is your first time doing this, right? So you're, you're, you're doing this research for the first time. You're, you're trying to figure out where can I get some information? Who knows what they're talking about on these guys? Like, tell me a little bit about how long this took you to put together and, and what the experience was like for you.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the list definitely took me a while to, to put together. Um, when I sat down um, before I did anything, I made a very preliminary list of just let me name all the guys that you know I, I have some sort of knowledge on um and then just jot them down didn't, didn't rank them didn't do anything along those lines uh then I started going around and, and reading you know a bunch of other lists um you know just just from around uh wherever I could find just to you know get a little more background on the guys that, that I already knew get other opinions um this you know when you start to get some of these guys you know you can get varying opinions um from you know very respected people um so i so i went through did some more research so that you know the list that i was putting together definitely had a a feel more my liking but also you know made a lot more sense so i got a list of about oh, i was about 65 70 guys um that i was willing to consider um like I said, went back through them and started researching each one individually. Um, for me, it's, it's a lot more watching video um, than anything else. Um, I mean, I I respect and value other people's opinions, but for me, I like to, to definitely get video on these guys so that I can, you know, read all this information about their stats and everything, which is awesome, but then actually see how they look to my own eyes. And then it was just a matter of, you know, putting the guys through um, the rankings list, um You know, and as I was going through and doing more research on them, I might bump guys up a little bit, might bump guys down a little bit or or whatnot, um, until I felt comfortable with the list that I put together. Um, And So, you know, my list is more, like I said, it's more fantasy-driven than anything. It's it's not such a a real-life list, if you will, like you might find on, like, MLB Pipeline or something like that. Um, It's more geared towards, you know, rewarding guys for upside um, and rewarding guys um, for you know what they could do in the fantasy world, as compared to you know maybe just somebody who might be a great fourth outfielder um, mm-hmm. that doesn't really do a whole lot for for what my list would provide.
0: <clears throat> yeah, so you know as I as I scroll down your list, I, I, there's nothing that really um, I have too many issues with. First of all, I, I'm generally opposed to lists in the first place. Um, not, not many people agree with me on this, but. I just – I don't necessarily understand the point of them other than they give us something like you and me to talk about, which is fine. That's, that's good. It, it gives us things to talk about. Um, I'm more interested in present value, future value, ETA, and what position are they going to end up playing but uh, what we like to do is, you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about, well, you got this guy at 31 and this guy at 48, and, and we kind of quibble over these little rankings. We're sometimes talking about 18-year-old kid versus 23-year-old kid, like different positions, all kinda, like putting the number next to the guy's name isn't necessarily what I think is is how we should be evaluating prospects, but... That's just kind of how the industry's evolved. Everybody puts out a list, and we all argue about each other's lists, and people who follow Prospects love it, so we keep
1: doing it. Um, But
0: uh, I forget where I was headed with that.
1: Um, Well, one thing I'd like to point out, though, one thing I like about the Prospects 1500 list is they go by tiers. so you know like you're saying i could sit there and we could argue about why a guy is at 31 as opposed to another guy who's at 39 but if they're in the same tier i mean yeah they're kind of interchangeable to some extent you know um Because once you start getting to that level of the list, you could really make arguments for, you know, flip-flopping guys numerous, numerous spots. So I like the, you know, the one through five tier system um, or whatever, you know, however you want to, you know, tier them. But that way you're grouping guys together in a broader list as opposed to, you know, trying to make a case that somebody should have been 34th instead of 35th. Because at the end of the day, 34th, 35th really is almost irrelevant, you know.
0: Absolutely. Totally agree with that. I think, you know, tiers, tiers definitely make a ton of sense. Um, and, you know, organizational-specific lists I, I like better than sort of the, the the bigger, massive lists, the top 100 in all of baseball lists that one guys put Keith Law, is putting together, you know, lots of other people. It's like, all right, Keith, I know you're an ex-scout how many of these hundred guys did you physically see with your own eyes in the past 12 months and how many times did you see them each and how many other players did you not see in the last 12 months it's impossible to look at an uh, 30 organizations and you're going to tell me one guy is going to tell me and rank a hundred players
1: ah come on yeah no that's that's a really good (laughs) point you know Like, like you said when you when you're going into just one specific team, you know, you're watching a handful of these guys at a time. So, you know, you can literally get a better view of them than trying to go out and catch all these guys individually. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point.
0: I mean, following one organization, you can try to see all these guys, but I I did this all day, every day last year, and I didn't get to see all these guys and didn't get to see them multiple times. Like, I'm still... Relying a lot on what I watch on TV, listening to games on the radio, I'm getting information from people who are down in Lakeland or in Norwich, Connecticut, or other just other people I trust who are watching this stuff and uh, just kind of piecemealing all this information together to try to put together a list. Uh, Man, it's hard. So what I you know I I just try to stick to telling you what I know, what I've heard about guys. I did make a list because, bless you, boys, required me to. But uh, <laughs> and people loved it. Like people, people, when I posted my list on my Facebook page, it created all kinds of conversations. So I'll keep doing it. But I always try to do it with the caveat of, look, man, I don't, I don't like having to put numbers next to these guys. I'll tell you what I know, what I've read, um, and that's about it. So, anyhow, getting off on a little tangent there. Um, I stop at number thirty-one on your list, Dave. And that's um, Jose Azucar, and I have written him off as a prospect. Um, I, you know, I, I've kind of talked about how you play play yourself into and out of prospect status. There's a time I, not not too long ago where he was a top ten, maybe five out of our system, which is, tells you how how far the system has come in just a couple of years. But uh, uh, it, it, go ahead and tell me what, what you learned about Azucar and. and why he cracked your top fifty?
1: Well, I mean, again, you know, once you get outside of like the top fifteen guys, um, you could really bet on a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a guy like Azakar, I mean, I have met thirty-one. Um, more importantly, you know, it's, it's what tier do I have him in? And so he's in tier. He's actually the first guy in tier four. So when you get to tier four, you know, you're start you're talking about you know backups and, and that kind of stuff. Um, the thing I most, most dislike about him is he repeated the, the same level in 2018 as he did in 2017. So when you're a guy who's, you know, repeating the same level, I really expect that, you know, you would, you would be a standout player. I'm uh, not doing anything that made him a uh, standout player. So if he would have, you know, came out, had a really strong year and then, you know, would have earned another promotion, that'd be a different story. But, but if you're going to repeat the same level, level and not, not have really good really results, good result, you know, that that, that starts that, that to be a red flag for right. me. Um, and it's not like it's he's not super like young anymore. I mean, if he was 18, 18 years old, years um, um, okay, okay, you know, maybe I, I could, you know, maybe I, you know, I maybe can understand, I can understand I can a little bit more. more. You know, maybe he's, you know, maybe working, he's on working on something particular. You know, his learning curve is there. But the guy's going to be, you know, 22, you know, come opening day. And so he's already kind of getting to the point where, you know, if he doesn't move quickly, he's going to be, you know, he's old for a prospect. So, you know, 31 on the list isn't anything to write home about, but, I mean, you know, he's there. Yeah, yeah, so so he turns
0: 23 in May, and um, he the, the issue with him is the Dalwell-Lugo effect, and it's the same issue that a lot of prospects or um, non-prospects in the Tiger system have he swings at everything and he doesn't draw walks. And so what you see is a he had a two ninety batting average in his in eighty two games with Lakeland and a three oh eight on base percentage. He had nine walks in uh, in eighty two games and he he we have not seen the development of any power. He hit two home runs last year. Um, slugged at a at a three ninety nine rate. Um, so he can't you can't just be an outfielder with a strong arm at 20, 23 years old who hasn't played past a ball and be considered a prospect as far as I'm concerned. Hey, you're not the only one. Like he was a fan favorite in West Michigan. I think some people think there could still be some development in him and because he was a top 10 prospect in the system, he's one of those guys that everybody knows, but he's not progressing um, with his approach at the plate as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, right. And that's what I mean. When you repeat a level, you know, you you should, I'm not necessarily seeing you to dominate that level, but I mean, you've already been there. You've already seen what it's like. You, you should be a standout in that. And, you know, you think you hit a great point on one reason that I wouldn't say I'm high on him is he, he does not fit the mold of one thing that I'm big on. And, and one thing that I'm big on, especially, well, for hitters, obviously, is I like someone that has a good plate approach. So, at that age I don't feel like that's usually something that that guys are focused on. So, when you can find me someone that, you know, walks a lot um, or specifically walks a lot compared to how much they strike out, that's important to me. Um, and so, you know, one guy that that is a little bit higher on my list than than Ezekar is I've got um Elijah Alfonso and I I'm a lot higher on him even though they're only, you know, three rankings apart, they're in different tiers. But I mean, that's the kid who almost walked twice as many times as he struck out. That's something that, that I take as, as a really good sign um, as far as, you know, hit ability um, when I'm looking at ranking guys and when I'm looking at, you know, how they could develop, you know, into hitters as they progress.
0: Yep, yep, nope. I like Alfonso as well. Uh, solid approach, like like some Grace Juan Silverio down there also. Yeah. Um, and let me skip ahead to uh, to Cam Gibson. You like Cam Gibson? Yeah, so you got opening day age 25. I think he's turning 25 this week. But um, Cam got invited to big league camp last year. I'm not sure if he's going to big league camp this year or not. Um, I'm not sure where I am on Cam Gibson. Uh, you know, he, he does some things well, but he's getting a little old for a prospect. I don't think the hit tool is ever going to reach 50. He's more of like a fourth, fifth outfielder type that might play in the major leagues in some capacity someday, but I don't think he'll ever be an everyday
1: regular. What do you think? Well, so if if you've read my top fifty yards, well, you know that one thing that that I'm big on is bloodlines. Um, And I don't have to tell you who who Cam Gibson's dad is. Um, But, yeah, Cam Gibson is, you know, getting on the old side, right? So 25 on opening day um, doesn't really really do anything that's, stands out, as far as I'm concerned. Um, like I said, good player. Um, I, I don't have an issue with anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a fourth outfielder is what you're looking at. You're not looking at a middle-of-the-order guy. You're not looking at a leadoff hitter. Uh, you're not looking at a gold-glove outfielder. You're looking at someone that's a ball player. Um, probably, you know, is going to earn himself a 25-man roster spot at some point, but isn't, you know, isn't going to win or lose you games or isn't going to do anything to, you know, change your organization.
0: Mm-hmm. So, let's let's look at the next outfielder on your list. I might have a bone to pick with you on this one. Montgomery, Troy Montgomery, okay, from okay. the Ohio State University.
1: You know that's that's the reason he should probably be lower on my list. <laughs> I've uh, I,
0: I've I've declared Montgomery a non prospect now as well, and the reason is because the, the Tigers demoted him last year. I'm, I mean, they they at 23 years old, they sent him from Erie back down to Lakeland, um, and I think he's just been passed up by too many other guys in the system. Not enough pop in the bat, um, and it, to me, he just looks like Org fodder.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I I classify him kind of similar to Gibson, you know, possible fourth outfielder. Um, when you he's one of those he's one of those guys where. You know, if you look at if you look at the numbers, they're not terrible. But at the end of the day, they're not spectacular and you know, watching him watching him play you're less impressed than, than even what you see in the numbers. Um you know, it doesn't do anything great. Um, you know, fast kid, um, left handed hitter, which is, you know, obviously a little bit of a benefit. Um but yeah, I mean At the end of the day, I don't see him being a a majorly starting outfielder at any point. So, uh, you know, I I don't necessarily have
0: a problem with him being on your list. What I do have a problem with is him being on your list ahead of Spencer Turnbull. (laughs) Now, uh, granted, disclaimer, I'm a bigger Turnbull fan than most are, I think. Um, And we do have a listener question later where Spencer Turnbull could be the answer to uh, the dark horse question, who can could, who could make the roster out of spring training? I don't know if he's necessarily a dark horse since he did have a cameo in September. But I like Spencer Turnbull a lot, and um, I think he's going to pitch a lot in the major leagues. I don't know if he'll be the fantasy impact type guy. Most people don't expect him to remain a rotation piece. He, he'll probably shift to a bullpen where I think he can be a really good seventh inning guy. Uh, maybe a you know, high leverage reliever.
1: I mean, for for me, Turnbull is just one of those guys who who doesn't wow me. Um, I mean, drafted in 2014, and he basically, you know, worked his way up one level each way as he went. Um, Didn't do anything really to, you know, to get you too far down on him, but he definitely didn't do anything either to make you just sit back and go, oh wow, like this kid's legit. Um, Numbers are good. There's really gonna not be a spot for him at the end of the day. You know, you've got all these all these arms that are gonna be coming up here real soon. You know, could he be a a longer lever? Could he be a you know a seventh inning guy? Sure. Um, you know, if the Tigers weren't in the situation that they were in, would he have made the the ball club in September last year? I I doubt it. You know, oh maybe. I mean maybe just for you know just for depth. But would he have been there to pitch any significant innings? No.
0: Mm. Well, I I think I like him better than Funkhauser. And um, I might like him better than Burroughs long term. Really? Really? really. That's
1: interesting. interesting. Um, You know, sometimes it's, it's hard because when you do have that unknown, it can work one of two ways, right? Your unknown could be where you're more optimistic because you haven't seen them get to that point yet. Like Funkhauser, I'm higher than Funkhauser or I'm higher on him than probably most people are uh i mean i was very excited when they drafted him you know you know kip came out of college you know so polished and he didn't necessarily you know he he didn't have that super high upside but i really thought that you know he was someone that could move quickly um once he got in the rotation would be you know your solid solid four guy maybe a three guy you know if if he can figure things out um and same thing with burrows i don't think burrows is anything spectacular um he's, he's probably gonna be the first of those arms that actually get themselves up to the big league. So he's definitely got a chance to get himself established before he maybe gets bumped out. But, you know, we've seen Turnbull for so long that I feel like you know what you're gonna get. When you get the Funkhauser and probably more specifically Burrows, you know, you don't you haven't gotten that point yet. So there's still a chance that they could wow and surprise you. They probably won't, but at least it's there. I don't think Turnbull has that upside. And so for me, again, it's more of a upside kind of a list than anything. So I don't see Turnbull turning into anything. But if you know Burrows ever turned into a number two starter, at, at this point I wouldn't be absolutely floored. I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be floored.
0: Yeah. No, I you know I I know it's kind of a bold statement, and um and um, but you know sometimes you got to make some bold predictions and stand by them. I just think the I think he's got more explosive stuff than people give him credit for. I think he's kind of fallen down uh, prospect lists over the over the years due to durability concerns. But when he's healthy, I think he's nasty. And um, as for Funkhauser, you know, we kind of talked about this um, when when Zane came out with his Kyle Funkhauser piece last week. The issue I have with Funkhauser is he throws too many pitches. Like, he's deep into every single count. I, I went through his game log, and uh, I think he had 19 starts last year. He made it through six or more in eight of those 19 starts. And in those eight starts where he made it six or more, he averaged 15 pitches per inning. In the other 11 starts where he did not make it through six, he averaged 20 pitches per inning. So he's, he's he does a lot of nibbling. Uh, Burroughs does the same thing, but Burroughs is a lot younger, so I'm giving him a pass. Um, so my issue with Funkhauser is I don't think he's ever going to be efficient enough to get through a lineup three times to remain a starter, which puts them in, into to relief capacity. I actually like Turnbull's fastball better than Funkhauser's. I know Emily thinks Funkhauser has the best fastball in the system. I mean, everybody likes different things. I, I, I just think Turnbull's a little underrated. and uh uh, as far as saying I might like him better than Burroughs, like, I want to put an asterisk next to that. Like, I mean, might. Because Burroughs is still 21 years old, right? He's 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 at a, Turnbull's 25, 26 now. Funkhauser's entering his age 25 years. So Burroughs is like, he's got some years of development before we can really say that. But Turnbull, Turnbull's underrated.
1: I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to Funkhauser, I mean, I think it's really... A classic example of someone who doesn't trust their pitches, you know, um, you know, he's got a good, he's got a good repertoire as far as, you know, he's got, he's got a good amount of offerings, right? It's, he doesn't have anything to me that wows you, but he can throw all of his pitches well. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes that also can be a negative because I feel like in his situation, you know, he's not confident enough in, in throwing those pitches and, and, you know, getting them, you know, over the plate for strikes. And that's where you get your nibbles, you know, where he's he's trying to get, you know, he's trying to get that breaking ball over, but he's afraid to get too much of the plate, you know. So he's trying to hit, your, hit the corners and stuff. Um, and that's how you get, you know, your high pitch counts, um, and, you know, exactly to what your concern is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, he needs to trust his stuff more because his stuff is good enough to play. Or if he trusts his stuff more, if he doesn't just start getting rocked because, you know, he is in the strike zone more often. But yeah. you'll never win nibbling. You know, you'll never win nibbling around like that. It's just that's not how you pitch. You know, and at his age and with how polished he should be, yeah, that's a concern. You know, Um if he, if he doesn't start challenging hitters, you know, we may never find out.
0: Sure no oh, good, good stuff. Um, one guy on your list in the Tier 5 group that you don't see on a lot of other lists but was on Lynn Hennings final list before he retired last week uh, is Dane Myers. I, I, I liked Dane Myers when I started doing this. Um, before I started figuring some things out like I, I like Dane Myers and but I didn't really hear about him talked about in too many circles. Uh, throughout the year until I saw him on your list and then on Lynn's list. And what's interesting about Dane, last week's episode, we got talking about Matt Manning having a super athletic delivery. Dane Dane Myers is a super athletic kid, and uh, he was a two-way player in college. Um, He's he's like 89 to 90 right now, at least he was last year. And and I think it was in Lynn's write-up where he said there's, some projection left in his frame, even though he's 22 now. Where, you know, he could add a couple miles per hour um, with his athleticism. Might be a useful, might be a useful pitcher in our system. What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that Lynn and I could both be wrong about somebody. So that's, that's, <laughs> it's more of a, a credit to Lynn, but I'll, I'll piggyback off of him. You know, um, yeah, Dane Myers is definitely not a name that that you see around very often, and I don't know it. You know, sometimes when you watch somebody, you just get a feeling. You know, you just you just like what you see. You know, in the guy. Like for me, a better example of that is uh, Elvin Rodriguez. When I watch Elvin Rodriguez pitch, I, I'm just impressed. Like his his mound presence, his confidence. You know, it just really stands out to me. And I guess for Dane Myers, as much as I am about numbers and you know analytics and stuff again he just looks like someone who who belongs you know um, and his numbers aren't aren't bad they weren't great but they weren't bad 333 ERA last year uh, 125 whip um, command is good i mean struck out twice as many guys as he walked so you know those are the kind of things that that i like to see um so yeah he may not be super high or on anyone else's list even but, again, sometimes it's just that, you know, the eye factor that will catch you too. And then, you know, you start combining that with some numbers that make sense. And, you know, it, it adds up to, you know, somebody, you know, you get to be a little higher on somebody than maybe somebody else is.
0: He's a good baseball player, you know. I like baseball players. He's a good baseball player. Speaking of baseball players and bloodlines, I'll, 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 I'll only skip ahead to number 45. Because I know you're dying to talk <laughs> about him.
1: Number 45, 45 is, is my favorite. Um, I had no choice but to put him on the list. Um, I, I've never seen him on anybody else's list, period. Um, obviously, he wasn't on uh, on Lynn's list. But, I mean, Pedro Martinez Jr., to me, is very intriguing. Um, I mean, I've obviously never seen him in person. I imagine almost nobody has. Um But, you know, the bloodlines are are as strong as anybody, you know, between him and Cody Clemens, who's got a more famous dad, you know, probably, in the system. Um, And and the kid is good. I mean, you watch video of him and, you know, offensively he's got some issues. Um, Definitely his bat is is behind the rest of him. Um, But, I mean, if you watch the kid, you can see projections for him, or at least I can. Maybe I'm crazy in the minority here. But, I mean, I can see projections for this kid to have – you know a a, a 50 you know maybe 60 grade power I can see a 50 grade hit tool um on top of he can already field the ball so he's someone that I'm way 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 higher on than everyone else and again the the kid looks like a baseball player whenever I whenever I watch him um I I could be just completely wrong and no one will remember that I was on the Pedro uh, Martinez Jr. bandwagon but I think he's that. if he doesn't turn in to be a good player he sure as heck going to be a lot better than the people give him credit for right now
0: Yeah, no, I don't think you're the only one on the Pedro Martinez watch list um, we're keeping an eye on him the, the, the hard thing with these Dominican Summer League players is, it's, it, is hard to, it is hard to see video on them um, so we got to kind of do some box score scouting on these guys which none of us really like to do but uh, yeah, you can see he drew a ton of walks. Right. Um, um, three fifty on base percentage, batting average won't wow you. But uh, we we like to see we like to see a lot of walks down there in the DSL generally. It's K five with a good good approach, good play discipline.
1: Right, uh, and that, and that goes back to what I said is it's something that I'm huge on. When you have an 18 year old kid, you know, trying to make a name for himself, and he's got the discipline to sit back there and you know walk. You know, as many times as he strikes out, that, that means a lot to me. You don't see a lot of 18 year old kids that are doing that. It's usually the other way around. You know, they'll strike out twice as many times or three times as many times as they walk. And, and sometimes that could just be someone that's a timid hitter and, you know, is sitting back and kind of maybe taking advantage of some bad, some bad pitching. Um, but, but I don't, I don't see that in his game. I mean, defensively, if you watch him, he's very aggressive defensively. Um, and you see that carry over. Um, offensively as well, but you don't see it go as far as him swinging at bad pitches, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, the the peripherals and just the things that I see that aren't on, a, on aren't in a box score really excite me about him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll get him stateside here soon. Um, he's 18 and a half years old, not a topple in half years once they get past 16. But, uh, he, you know, he turned 18 in August, so... I think I think they'll bring him to the states. We'll, he'll play in the GCL this year. A lot of times they hold guys in the Dominican Summer League for an extra year. Or so just because they're 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 really learning how to play baseball the way professional baseball is played. You know, they, they didn't grow up necessarily going to the high schools and universities that a lot of kids here did playing organized ball. So they they'll keep them down there in the academies. Um, teach him English, and I'll hold him back for some of those reasons, but um, Pedro Martinez Jr., I would think, has had some, some formal baseball instruction. Um,
1: I would say so, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: and he's he's probably as equipped to make that jump to living in another country while being a baseball player, because I think that's a part of the process that, that a lot of people don't necessarily recognize how hard it is for uh, an 18-year-old kid to move to another country, speak a language that he you don't speak that well and then uh, try to try to prove yourself as a professional baseball player in the process. So but we'll get a look at him real soon. And I'm yeah. looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and there's, I mean there's a reason I like the, the love you know, and that's why I make a big deal about it is you know, not only did, you know, a lot of these kids grow up around the game and grow up watching people, you know, at a very high level and, you know, getting an idea and a feel for what it looks like at that level, you know, obviously they've got the genetics. But, you know, skill and talent will only take you so far. And I really think that they get a big heads up being that they've seen exactly what it looks like at the highest level to be successful. You know, they don't have to guess and figure their way out so much, you know, when they can literally see what it looks like and what you have to do to get there.
0: Mm -hmm. So with that said, um, and look, I I try to be an ambassador for the Tigers minor league system and for minor league baseball in general. I'm not really just about prospect evaluation. And and, and I I really try to tell the stories about what it's like to be in the minor league life because most of these guys aren't going to make it, but minor league baseball players are people too, right? And uh, they have families and they're really good baseball players. I mean, most of these guys were, all-Americans, second-team All-Americans, conference players of the year, district players of the year, their heroes in their local communities. So all of that to say that the last five guys on your list, I, I, I don't want to talk about.
1: <laughs> no, and that, that's fair. <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't really consider any of them prospects anymore. Um well, I mean, Joey Morgan, it's kind of hard to cross him. I'm sure a lot of people are still holding on to some some hope with Joey Morgan as a prospect. Usually the rule is you don't cross a guy off due to one bad year. But uh, his year was really bad, and he was playing against uh, Midwest League competition when he was a, a, a polished collegiate catcher, and he was overmatched at the plate, and On top of that, struggled mightily defensively, and I just think he's struggling right now to even have a ceiling that allows him to be organizational depth at the AA level someday. Like, I don't know. I'm highly concerned that there's not a lot for Joey Morgan. For a guy who I think really had a ceiling of backup catcher to begin with, now I think his ceiling is organizational depth and i don't know if he can even reach that ceiling
1: mm. yeah i mean i know when he got drafted like you said you know i mean he was never going to set the world on fire but you know someone that can serve as a quality backup catcher uh it was certainly on the cards and it's definitely hard to write somebody off like you say after just one year but sometimes that that one year is so bad that it, it's really difficult to put a whole lot of stock into, you know, what they can do going forward. Because even if he comes out next year and hits 320 and and plays standout defense, I mean, you know, he's still, you know, he's still behind, you know, um, Griner. He's still behind Jake Rogers, you know, at, at the least. So, you know, the upside for what he could do is almost even blocked by the fact that, you know, Jake Rogers is the best defensive catcher in the minor league. And heaven forbid that kid ever actually learns how to hit. Um, because he could be an all-star, um, you know, perennially if he can get that bat around.
0: Sure. So I don't want to spend any more time talking about Joey Morgan. Um, one person we, we, you, you left off your list entirely. Dalwell Lugo, it sounds like he's like the guy you don't want to talk about.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, that comes right back down to where we talked about, you know, the difference between real-life value and, you know, fantasy value. So, to me, you know, Dewell Lugo at his best is probably, you know, Ramon Santiago. And I can tell you right now I've never owned Ramon Santiago in any dynasty league that I've ever been in. Um, I, I think he has value, you know, at least potentially as, you know, a utility infielder on you know big in a big league ball club but there's no upside. Um I don't see him being a starter. Um you know I don't see him providing any any sort of you know terrific value outside of just you know there to give guys you know a day off. So for me, Lugo is intentionally off my list even though you know I guess you could argue that I could put him somewhere probably in the maybe high twenties, low thirties if I really wanted to but just for you know the reasoning of my list he's just not someone that that's going to make it
0: that's fair that, i mean hey I don't want to talk about him either I, I kind of felt i felt obligated to put him on my list just because he's made it to the major leagues he's already at the major leagues and there's a possibility that the tigers are so invested in him that he gets he gets a shot to to play fifty or 100 games in a starting capacity and I don't know.
1: Right, but I mean I would say that says more about the Detroit Tigers um and their current, you know, situation than it says about Dwell Lugo.
0: No, I agree. The the other guy that you left off, well there's a few. I, um but the other guy I left off that I mentioned to you before the show that I kind of think deserves to be on this list is Josh Lester. Talk about playing playing in and out of prospect status. I think Lester did enough last year where I would say that he's played himself into prospect status. Not that I consider him a high-end prospect, but, uh, kid had a really good year in a, in a system that's completely void of power. Um, he was sort of one of the bright spots in the organization. So I'd say he's one to keep an eye on this year. Uh, defensively, you know, I I don't know that he necessarily has a natural position. He plays third, he could play some first, but, um, yeah, let me try to look at some splits from last year on Lester. Because I think it was August when he went nuts. Yeah, he had eight home runs in August. Eight home runs and 23 RBIs in August. We kind of talk about it's not how you start a level, it's how you finish a level. And he finished off AA with authority. So we'll get him in Toledo. I'll probably see him down at Columbus a little bit this year. And maybe he can provide a little, little pop someday. I don't know. I'm not, not ruling it out.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, when we get to a guy like Lester, um, you know, he, he was on the list as far as, you know, consideration. But once you start to get – I mean, he's old for a prospect, you know. So it's not like I see a lot of upside there. Um, you know, 21 home runs, 75 RBIs, you know, good, good numbers at AA. Um, he batted two fifty nine, that, That's fine. You know, 346, uh on base percentage. I like that. Um, so you get a, an 800 OPS, which is nice. But again, I, you know, he's, he's not gonna, I don't see him starting, you know, on uh, the big leg club. Um like I said, he's already to the point where, you know, he's old enough that he's almost out of prospect status in my regard just because of that. You know, by the time he would, you know, get a chance to get up to the big leagues, he's gonna be 25, maybe 26. I mean, that's, you know, the prime of a lot of guys' career and he's just getting started. It's a lot of age for me. Might be fair to him. I mean, we all have our different thoughts, our own reasoning, so that may be unfair to him, just like it's unfair to Dwell Lugo, you know, for for my reasoning. But he's just someone that, you know, for the purposes of my list, I'd I'd rather have other people on there.
0: Yeah, Dave. I mean, I think we kind of we kind of get hung up on um, these guys a lot with their age and, and the big leagues as, as early as possible. You know, I would say with Lester, he's 24. He turned 24 in July. He was a college draftee. Um, he's right where he should be, I think, um, as a 2015 draftee. He's kind of gone stage by stage. Uh, he, he made his West Michigan debut in 15, and he was drafted, played mostly at Connecticut. They gave him a little cup of coffee at the end of the year and then the following year. Played all year, Connecticut again. Uh, he's on step-by-step. West Michigan, Lakeland, Erie. He'll be in Toledo in 2019. Puts him as a 25-year-old heading into the 2020 season with a big league invite to camp, trying to make the club or trying to make a club. Um, so, but and I'm not trying to talk about Josh Lester specifically. I'm saying like a college draftee who's 24 and at AAA, I, I would disagree with you that that's old for a prospect. Um, like Mike Gerber is now what twenty seven?
1: Um, yeah, I was. I mean, and I would be. I, I was never a big Gerber fan, you know. Um, I, 26. I don't know. I mean, he's
0: twenty six. all right. he's twenty six. So
1: yeah, and I guess I don't mean to say that necessarily. He's old. Speak. Before he's he's older than than what I'm looking for. I mean, you know, when you go fifty DPI, yeah, you can throw a lot of things in there. And you know, could, could Lester have made the list? Is there you know anywhere in the in the low 40s? Yeah. He could have. Um, into, you know, tier five guys on, on my list. I mean, you're not really expecting a whole lot anyways. So I don't feel bad that he's on the list. I mean, I, I could argue right along that I could be on the list in favor of other people. But, I mean, it, he's not someone that I'm going to, to fight hard for at this point.
0: Oh, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I, here, here's the thing I'll tell you, though. Dustin Peterson, mm-hmm. he's 24. Big Rodgers? will be 24 in April, and he's starting the season at double A. So, hey, 24 is not old yet, man.
1: <laughs> it's uh, not I too would old yet. 24.
0: I mean, look, at 24, you want to be double AA, A, triple A, like, you know, you want to be probably triple level. Triple AA, AAA, but it's just hard to put those labels because the developmental process is different for everybody. Everybody goes through different injuries. Like Josh Lester, uh, what he did, he, they listed him at like 6'3", 216, I think. I think he's bigger than 216, but I think I read an article where he got really, really serious about diet, nutrition, fitness, and uh, he lost a ton of weight, got more athletic. You could see in his face it's thinned out a lot from some of the mug shots you'll see on websites. So the, the developmental path is a little different for everybody. Um, that's all I'll point out when it comes to Lester. All yeah, right. I
1: mean, fair, fair enough.
0: We have some listener questions, I believe. So while I dig them out, uh, also, if you wouldn't mind, folks, uh, if you have a moment, take, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. I think we got like 16 reviews on there. So give me 30 seconds, even if you hate us. T- t- take a minute to tell me you hate us. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, all right. We already talked about Faito. That was a listener question from Brian Leitz. We talked about that extensively. Steve Butts sent in a question. It was a pretty elaborate question about the Tigers doing well, accumulating 45 and 50 future value players who could become future contributors to the major league team, overriding 40-man roster concerns where the Tigers will not be able to retain all of them. Are the Tigers in a position where they should be swinging a few minor league deals to attempt to head off some upcoming roster issues in exchange for a few more lottery tickets who are lesser-known commodities? Um, That's a a loaded question. Did you have some time to put any thought into that, Dave?
1: I mean, yeah, a little bit. So... I mean, in that regard, you know, when you talk about, you know, trading off guys for other guys, you know, in, in a vacuum, it makes sense, right? Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to have, you know, a, a trade partner that that's looking to do that. I don't know a lot of teams that are looking to trade, you know, good prospects for, you know, three or four, you know, 45 value guys. So, yes, I mean, yes, if we could put together a trade where, you know, we could get you know a, a 55 grade player for three or four, 45 guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you would make that deal. I don't, I don't see other teams that are in a position to do that because everyone is in the position of trying to get you know your higher upside guys. You know, they're not looking for you know to to flip a guy who you know has a lot of potential for four or five guys who don't really. So I, I see what he's saying, and yes, and in, in an ideal situation, it makes sense. But I think that guys like that, where their value would come more into play as far as trade value, is whenever you're a contending team and you're trying to flip, you know, prospects for, you know, one two year rentals or something like that. That's where, you know, you can, you know, flip, you know, flip, you know a handful of not so great guys for, you know, a couple months of JD Martinez. Like, you know, that's that's where I think those guys have trade value. Well, you
0: know, I think, I think the Tigers are going to have no choice but to uh, package some minor leaguers in some interesting deals this year. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to do it, but there is definitely a pending 40-man roster crunch coming at the end of 2019. We listed them all out, all the guys who are going to be Rule 5 eligible at the end of this year and are going to have to be added to the 40-man, um, and there's a lot of them. So that means somebody's got to go. And... Um, you know, maybe we can package somebody with Sheen Green. You know, maybe you can package somebody with Castellanos. They, I think they're going to have to get creative because it's nice to have lots of minor leaguers, lots of prospects, but you, you can only you can only uh, hoard so many of them for so long. And um, minor leaguers are currency. They're currency. So you got teams who are looking to dump salary. You got teams who are looking to shift things around, you got to use some of your prospects as currency when it makes sense and when you're in situations like the Tigers are in where they're going to run out of roster space real soon. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting question, and it's something I'm going to be watching really closely this year.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I just don't know that it's as – you know, it it sounds better on paper, I think, than it does in real life. I mean, if you've got a team that's looking to acquire Castellanos or a team that's looking to acquire Green – that's who they're interested in, you know? And I don't know that a lot of them are going to be so willing to take on some of these 45 value guys and give us value for, you know, giving us a better prospect in return than we normally would have gotten. I mean, hopefully Avila can, you know, pull something like that off. Don't get me wrong. I, I just don't know that. It's, it's just not as easy as it sounds, I think. Well, I, I, and, and
0: I should clarify I'm not just talking about 45 future value guys in our system, I'm talking about. Maybe some guys that you aren't ready to start talking about trading yet. That we we might have to think about packaging and making some major league upgrades upgrades to the major league team by parting with some of our top guys and packaging them with some people we we need to unload. Yeah, could be, could be interesting. We'll see how savvy our boy Avila is.
1: <laughs> see, that, that's a different conversation. You know, if you start talking about. You know, dealing a seal Perez or something, uh, or, or dealing Daz Cameron, and you know, to get major league value, or, or that's a different conversation than you know trying to you know part with some of these guys that are you know at the bottom half of my list to get somebody you know of better quality. Yeah, so sure. I think I think that's a different conversation entirely.
0: Sure, sure. All right, all right. Who's the dark horse candidate to earn an opening day roster spot? I know you kind of you were struggling with this one. What are you, you going to roll with?
1: Man, uh, that, that's a tough one, right? So I, I guess I'll give two answers, and I'll, I'll answer both sides of the question, okay? okay. So I guess my I, I guess my dark horse, if, if I had to take someone, um, I would say Dustin Peterson. Um, and I don't necessarily know that he's a dark horse um, necessarily because I don't think there's a whole lot of options for this question. Um, but, if I mean, if I had to put money down – on, you know in Vegas on somebody that's who I would say um, with that being said I think the real answer to the question is that they don't have anybody um, you know a- anyone that I think would realistically fit the bill of being a dark horse candidate that they could call up it wouldn't really make any sense for them to to waste any of you know the the time and service on these guys uh, the Tigers are gonna be bad next year um, they're gonna be bad the year after that so for them to you know, potentially get you know K. Mize to match, it, you know, or to to bring up Jake Rogers and I They're they're going to view it as just a waste of um, you know years of service when they can keep them down a little bit longer um, and wait to where we can go. So I don't expect to see Daz Cameron have any shot in the world of making the opening day roster. You know, could he could he absolutely tear it up in the uh, you know during the season and and get called up around the All Star break or definitely in September for sure, but. If this team was more competitive and the Tigers actually had some incentive to get them, you know, up to the big leagues and contributing sooner, I think they'd be a different conversation. Uh,
0: so I'll agree that has a chance of making the team out of spring training.
1: Uh,
0: well, zero, zero is a, an unfair number, but uh, highly unlikely. So yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's zero. It's zero. Yeah, okay. yeah thank you. <laughs>
0: so, so when I start thinking about 25-man rosters out of spring training, the first thing I look at is who – is which players are out of minor league options, um, with the pitching staff, that's, that's Drew Verhagen, that's Buck Farmer, um, and of course they got the Rule 5 guy also, so that's the thing they hold on to him through springing, and I think that's three guys you're going to see on the major league roster, unless somebody sucks so bad that they're just like, we're going to, we'll DFA you right now during the spring, and, uh, Try to pass you through waivers or let you go to another team. If somebody signs you, we don't really care. But usually, these guys who have options, that Verhagen last year, he was out of options. They make the club coming out of spring. They're usually more likely to make the club coming out of spring because it gives the the, the, the organization some flexibility to get a little bit of a final look at him, a final audition, if you will. So, Verhagen got like the month of April and some of May before they DFA'd him. Uh, he wasn't performing – nobody nobody claimed him on waivers, so we were able to re-sign him to a minor league deal. But um, but, the, but, those guys out of options, if you want to keep them in your system, usually the, uh, they'll, they'll make the club out of the spring and uh, until they prove that they can't play at the major league level and then to finally DFA him. Um, so the, the other guy, position player that's out of options is Mikey Matuk. Um, no more option years left for Mikey. So I don't – I don't know that the Tigers are ready to, to let him go yet. Um, so when I look at the outfield, you got Nick, Jacoby, Christian Stewart, and Mikey Matuk, and three out of those four are right-handed bats. So when I when I look at all right, are they going to keep keep a fifth outfielder? I I got to think it's a left-handed bat because what are you going to do with four right-handed outfielders? You don't face that many lefties. You don't face Chris Sale every night. So my dark horse, I'm going to go with Jacob Robson. And uh, it's kind of a roundabout way of arriving at that conclusion. But I did put some thought into it. And I I don't know how likely it is, but he's not on the 40-man route right now. Um, So somebody would have to be let go to make room for him. But um, that's my dark horse. The Tiger's bringing on uh, a left-handed bat. Or maybe they D F A Motuk altogether in spring and uh that creates a spot for him. So I'll go with Robson on that, we think.
1: Yeah, I mean I think everything you said is, is absolutely perfect. I mean I could totally see him making the club. Um I, I don't I don't disagree with anything you just said, man. Come on. I mean if his last <laughs> thing was Kiasisople, the okay, then I'd argue just for the sake of arguing.
0: Um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding, man. But yeah, I, yeah, I
1: got nothing, man. You can, sometimes you're just gonna have to get over the fact that I don't agree with you. All
0: right, all right. This was this was supposed to be an episode with some fireworks, and we've been really tame so far. I know.
1: I don't. I don't think we've cussed in 45 minutes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we got one question left,
1: and it looks
0: like it has to do with Brian Garcia. Got, Garcia is a tier three guy. Is that just because he's coming off TJ? Before he got hurt, he seemed like at least a tier two guy for our pen.
1: Um, I mean, I think I, I think I'm higher on Brian Garcia than a lot of people are, to be honest. Um, I don't I don't think even if he would have remained healthy, I would have him as a tier two guy. Um, I don't see him closing in Detroit um, with Jimenez there. Um, I guess to be fair. When I look at my list, I have him as a second, second rated, um, tier three guy. So, I guess that's close to a tier two, but, um, for my list, you know, when it's, when we're talking about upside and fantasy value, a non closing reliever, um, is pretty tough to get a lot of value to. Um, I mean, I, I, will say that, you know, come 2020, 2021, you know, when the Tigers are ready to start spending money and competing again, I would love I would to love see, see, you know, Jimenez, Garcia, Garcia, Houston, Houston Foley. Foley. I'd, like I'd like to see like that as our bullpen. I think that if everyone, everyone, you know, reaches their ceiling, which is unlikely, um, or at least or comes close, close to it, it, I think that is a really a real solid, solid bullpen. Um, you know, and that's without, you know, the potential of somebody like a Faieto, you know, ended up going to the bullpen. You know, that's just talking about the guys we have in-house as of 2019, you know, and trying to
0: project that towards, you know, like 2021. Sure, no. Uh, I'm excited to have Garcia back as well, and Foley. Um, looks like Garcia's targeting uh, May to make his 2019 debut, so we'll we'll kind of see what the Tigers do with his innings limit, see what he's, what he's hitting on the gun. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Tier 3 is an indictment on the guy. He's a reliever, and you're a fantasy guy. He might not be a closer, so he doesn't have a ton of fantasy value, but I think he's going to. He's a he's a guy that we're looking at maybe plugging into the bullpen in a year or two. Um yeah. Dave, I know you got another you got another piece coming out soon. Do you want to do you want to pimp that a little bit?
1: Uh yeah a little bit. So we have talked about some of the guys. Um and you know it, it revolves just around you know the f- five guys that did not make my top fifty list. Um that you know as time has gone on, um I've started to regret a little bit. Um, I mean, three of them really in particular, um, and I guess I'll spoil it a little bit. Uh, it'll probably drop before anybody hears this podcast anyways. Um, but, you know, one guy that uh, hopefully I'll be arm wrestling sooner and later, um, Tariq um, he He's one guy. He was the number one guy in on the list um, that, that should have made mine. Um, I've got Ndenzo Re- uh, Reyes, a guy that um, you, you see on some lists, but not a whole lot. Um, he was a J2 guy. Um, from 2018, uh, a lot of power. I um, excited about him. And then probably the guy that I might even feel the, the worst about just because I think his upside is so much higher than, than what people give him credit for um, is Carlos Guzman. Um, definitely of the guys that didn't make the list, uh, the, the change up that he has is, is absolutely devastating. Um, and I, I really am excited to, to watch and see how he develops um I don't know, I'm sure you know, but I don't know how many people know of Carlos Luzman, Um, you know, know that, you know, he didn't always pitch. He he converted to, to pitching um, in 2017, so he's still kind of new to the pitching scene. Um, and then with that change up of his, um, I could see him developing into a good starter, uh, possibly even kind of go in the Fernando Rodney role and, you know, using that one dominant pitch to, to carve out a nice career um we talked about jason foley just briefly um he was one of them and then the other guy that i got the most questions about besides uh scruble was renardo uh Rivera. um i think a lot of his hype if you will from people is just because he was drafted so early in 2017 you know they took him in the second round so that's a name that you know people will kind of get attached to you know just because you know they've they've seen him and, and heard that name but you know, you know, he didn't make he didn't the, the their, list originally just because he hasn't really done a whole lot to impress me. Um, but in retrospect, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the reason for the list and whatnot. I feel like, you know, he still does have so much power potential that he probably should be on this list ahead of people that, that aren't currently on it. Just because if things do come together for him, you know, he could be in an impact type bat. Um, I don't see it happening, but... You know, he could be someone that, that could make me look foolish.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, those are those are five guys that I, I think uh, are, are probably worthy of being on a top 50. So, um, good stuff. And I'm glad you mentioned Tarek Skubal. He's going to be the next guest on the podcast. He's currently traveling to Lakeland today on um, – Today's Sunday he's hitting there he's getting into Lakeland on Sunday so um, I'll be in touch with him probably tomorrow or Tuesday get something set up so excited to have him on and uh, I'm gonna have all three Troya brothers for you podcastianos fans out there the the Troya brothers Jeremy and Anthony are really active on Twitter and, and just big Tigers fans, nice guys. And, uh, and, uh, the, the third and elusive Troya brother Vincent, we're going to get him on to we'll have all three of the Troyas on and we'll, we'll have some fun with those fellas. So, uh, Dave, I've had a real good time, you know, getting to know you a little bit over the last month or so. Just want to kind of welcome you to the community a little bit. I can relate to what it's like trying to, trying to break into an already well-established community and, 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 and sort of prove yourself a little bit and, um, but you got a good platform over there at prospects 1500 and uh, a good attitude and open mind and someone who's trying to learn. So, uh, Hey, it's, it's always nice to have new people in the community who like to talk Tigers baseball. So appreciate you coming on my show tonight.
1: Yeah. I appreciate yeah, you having me. Um, I'm also a little proud that, um, I'll be able to let my mom listen to this podcast if she's so inclined because I, I it pretty clean.
0: Yeah. We, we got to work on that. We got to step up our game a little bit. Um, making it a nice NC17 version or something like that but yeah uh, nonetheless uh you know enjoy the rest of your evening Dave uh, I'm sure I'll be wrapping with you and that's it
1: all right thanks all right,
0: all right man bye come up
1: Keep, Keep your eyes on us. One of these days that you won't yeah. be. Long. Yeah.